Welcome to Drinks and a Show. I'm Cassie and this is a musical podcast. To stay up to date with what's going on with the show, you can subscribe or you can follow Drink Show Pod on Instagram and Twitter. I have also created a playlist on Spotify with all my favorite songs from the shows I've done episodes on. So if you're ever wondering where you can begin to start getting into show tunes, that's definitely the place to look. You can just search DAAS songs on Spotify or check out the link in the episode description or the link in the link trees on those social media profiles. Today's episode's different to what I normally do. I'm not doing one with a guest. I'm not doing one based on a musical. I am doing it based on Gwen Verdon and Bob Fosse, as I was inspired after watching the recent Fosse Verdon show. It's not actually a recent show. I watched it recently, but it came out in like 2019. I highly recommend it. Watched it all in one day. So yeah, I wanted to know more about uh, the two lovebirds, so I wanted to do this episode, so in case anyone else out there wanted to know a bit more about it, and if you're wondering where I got the information from, not just from the TV show, but uh, Slate was a website that was doing fact versus fiction for each episode, and that was very helpful, and then they just stopped after episode four, so that was very annoying. So I had to just pretty much Google my way around the internet, but I'm pretty sure most of what I'm going to tell you is true. So don't think that this episode will need a fact versus fiction article on Slate. All right, guys. So let's get into the life and times of Gwen Verdon and Bob Fosse. So we have two years between our two good old mates, Gwen and Bob. So Gwen was born Gwyneth Evelyn Verdon on the 13th of January 1925 in Culver City, California to a dad who was an electrician and a mum who was a drama teacher and former vaudevillian dancer. Bob was born Robert Louis Fossey on the 27th of June 1927 in Chicago, Illinois and was the second youngest of six children. While a toddler, Gwen got rickets, which is a disease which can sometimes be brought on by vitamin D deficiency. I'm not sure if that's why she got it. As a result of this disease, it caused her legs to be misshapen. They didn't grow properly. She was called gimpy and she had to wear leg braces and orthopedic boots. Her mother, however, still enrolled her in ballet classes at the age of three, which actually strengthened her legs and made her a bit better and able to move them around. By six, she was performing all different kinds of dancing, tap, jazz, ballroom, you name it, she's done it. At 11, she made her film debut in the movie The King Steps Out, where she did ballet solo. However, she is uncredited on the movie, and that will be something that is happening a lot in Gwen's life moving forward. Meanwhile, Bob enjoyed dancing, and at the age of 12, he was performing professionally in Chicago with Charles Grass as the Riff Brothers doing tap numbers on the vaudeville circuit. They also performed in burlesque clubs, which is pretty hectic for a 12-year-old, and trigger warning... Uh, sexual assault of a minor he had told people that that's how he lost his virginity he was molested by the women at these burlesque clubs and that's probably the reason why he formed his relationship with sex later on down the track which let's just say it's not a healthy one at 17 Gwen was in the showboat revival in high school she was in high school the revival wasn't done at her high school but then she got pregnant to a family friend, James Hannigan, who was a tabloid reporter. 
They eloped and she was looking after their son, Jim, not really focusing on her career as a dancer or anything like that. She didn't stop working completely. She was still making some appearances in movies, Hosier Holiday and Blonde from Brooklyn, just as dancing roles. Bob, in 1943, at age 16, received his full credit as a choreographer in the film Hold Everything, A Streamlined Extravaganza in Two Parts. The following year, he graduated high school, joined the Navy, and after much begging and showing off his talent, he joined the Special Services Entertainment Division in the variety show Tough Situation, which toured military and naval bases in the Pacific. After two years in the Navy, he was discharged and moved to New York to become the next Fred Astaire. Here he met a nice gal called Mary Ann Niles, who will go on to be his first wife, which I guess is a spoiler because you know how that ends up going. He also started studying acting at the American Theatre Wing. While Bob was in New York trying to get his big break, Gwen had decided that she had enough of doing nothing with her life and being a mother. Not saying that being a mother is doing nothing with your life. Her words, not mine. So she divorced James and she started working at The Hollywood Reporter, being a tabloid reporter Uh, interviewing just like famous people, getting all the gossip. While doing this, she met Jack Cole, who is a choreographer. She started working as his assistant and eventually became his muse. She left her son with her parents so that they can raise him while she goes and follows her dream now of continuing dancing. Over the next five-year period, she worked in New York and then worked in films in LA with Jack. Uncredited, of course, but her role did include teaching Cole's choreography to big names like Jane Russell, Rita Hayworth, Lana Turner, Marilyn Monroe. Hopefully you've heard of some of those people. In the movie, Gentlemen's Prefer Blondes, she even gave the advice to Marilyn, okay, you got to bring down the sexy and then to Jane Russell, turn it up, gal. In 1949, after two years of knowing each other, Bob did end up marrying Mary Ann Niles, which no surprise here, I already told you that. And they had become a dancing duo. In 1950, Gwen and Bob had both made their Broadway's debuts just within weeks of each other. Gwen first with the show Alive and Kicking and Bob and Mary Ann in Dance Me a Song. A year later, Bob and Mary Ann will divorce. How sad. In 1952, he married Joan McCracken. She was a star herself. Like she wasn't marrying for her way to get up the fame ladder or anything like that. She was in the original Oklahoma and in the song Many a New Day, she choreographed a pratfall and it stole the show as an ensemble member being known as the girl who fell down. And everyone's like, oh my God, did you see the girl who fell down? That was the best part of that dance number. She says she's the one who came up with the pratfall to do that in there. However, the show's choreographer, Agnes DeMille, says that it was her idea. Then someone else says it was the composer of the show, Richard Rogers. So... If I was Joan, I would say it's me as well. But either way, her star was up on the rise. She starred in many movies and shows before even meeting Bob. She also had type 1 diabetes, which in the 50s, not really easy to treat back then. So she was like having fainting spells all the time and it was hugely affecting her life. And another fun fact about Joan McCracken is that when Capote, Truman, wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's, the main character, Holly Go Lightly, had characteristics and stories within that book that were actually based on Joan. So she's like a huge deal. While this is going on in Bob's life, don't think Gwen's just at home twiddling her thumb. She's still been working, getting consistent dancing roles, uncredited, of course. In 1953, Bob signed with MGM as a dancer. 
in the movies Give a Girl a Break, The Affairs of Dobie Gillis, and Kiss Me Kate. He even choreographed a dance in Kiss Me Kate, which got himself on people's radar like, ooh, who's this kid? Now, 1953. Now, that was a huge year for Gwen. She got the second female lead in the musical Can Can, with a female lead being played by a French diva known as Lilo, Lilo. In Act 1, Gwen does a Garden of Eden ballet and it would steal the show. So when they were doing out-of-town tryouts to see if people liked the show, uh, the reviews were saying, although they found Lilo charming, they found Verdon absolutely sensational, which uh, the prima donna diva of the show, not happy to hear that. So before it premiered on Broadway, Lilo got that dance number cut from the show. Gwen wanted to quit the show. However, on opening night, she was still there. And they still had a dance number called the Apache Dance. And due to a mishap, which involved Gwen, um, who was supposed to grab a knife and plunge it into the chest of her partner, she reached for the knife, the handle came off, so it didn't even look like she was meant to be holding a blade. So improvising quickly, she pulled in the partner and kissed him instead. The audience leapt to their feet and they started chanting her name as she went off stage to go for a costume change. And the producer rushed backstage saying, you've done a showstopper. I didn't even know if they called it a showstopper back then. But the show stopped. You've got to come out immediately for a curtain call. Go and do your bows and all that stuff. So this is like mid-show. So she comes out and she's wearing a towel because she was in the middle of getting change. And the crowd's going crazy. Verdon, Verdon. And this is actually a scene that's in the TV show. So how that happens in the show is actually accurate as well. The Tony Awards the following year... Gwen won her first Tony for Distinguished Supporting or Featured Musical Actress. And do you know who wasn't up for winning an award? I didn't even know that she was nominated. That wasn't there. But Lilo. Lilo didn't win one. So hope that was worth it, girl. So while Gwen's getting her first recognized performance, uh, we have Bob, who his wife Joan end up getting him a job as a choreographer in the musical The Pajama Game. So then at the following year's Tony Awards, he ended up winning for uh, the best choreographer. In 1955, fresh off her Tony Award win the year before and Bob from that year's Tonys, they were put to work together on the musical Damn Yankees. Little did the show's producers know that putting these two people together would change the trajectory of how a lot of Broadway dancing will be done moving forward. During this time, Joan had suffered about two heart attacks while Bob was working on Damn Yankees. There's also a scene in the TV show where the show's producers are talking about the final dance number at the hotel and they're like saying, oh, we need Cutter. Bob keeps trying to put himself into it. Doesn't make sense. And Bob's actually listening through the wall and then he like calls up the producers and goes, hey, you know, I can hear everything you're saying. So that actually happened. And what ended up happening is they got rid of that and then they changed the dance number to Who's Got the Pain, which is a mumbo dance number, which I've been told is one of the most memorable scenes from Damn Yankees. I saw them perform it in the show and since then it's really been stuck in my head. So I completely believe that. For Damn Yankees, Gwen won a Tony for Best Distinguished Musical Actress and Bob won the Tony for Outstanding Choreographer. The two worked together on another musical called New Girl in Town, while Bob was also tasked with working on the film version of The Pajama Game. New Girl in Town, Gwen won the Tony for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical, equal with her co-star, Thelma Ritter, and Bob was nominated but ended up losing to Jerome Robbins, who did the choreography for West Side Story. Fair enough. 
The same year, there was a damn Yankees movie with these two both working on it. And this time, Bob was in that Who's Got the Pain dance number. So if you YouTube it now, you'll see it with Bob and Gwen from the movie. In 1959, we have the musical Redhead. This is Bob's directorial debut on Broadway. He also choreographed it. And of course, Gwen starred in it or else what's the point in mentioning this show? This same year, he also did divorce Joan, which was fine for him since him and Gwen had been doing it on the side anyway. So sorry if that surprises anyone. You're like, what? No, oh my God, I thought that were Endgame. Nope. Uh, for Redhead, Gwen ended up winning the Tony for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical, which, to be fair, she was only up against one person. But if we know anything from the Aaron to Vet fiasco last year, not that it happened because he still ended up winning, but even though he was the only one nominated in a category, he still could have lost the award. He still had to get a majority of the votes. She also has a Grammy under her belt because of this, as she won the Best Broadway Album, which was equal with Gypsy that year. Bob won for Best Choreographer and he was nominated for the director, but he didn't end up winning. A year after this and after divorcing Joan, Bob and Gwen tied the knot. The following year, Joan ends up passing away from a heart attack, which was brought on by her diabetes. In the same year, Bob was to direct and choreograph a musical called The Conquering Hero, but due to disagreements with the creative team, he ended up quitting. However, during the rehearsals, he discovered he was epileptic. So that will be the start of Bob's health issues that we know of. That show itself ended up closing after eight performances anyway. So Bob, who knows, might have had the magic touch and could have made that a more successful show. He also choreographed How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. No Tony nominations for him. The show was just very successful in itself. In 1963, Gwen gave birth to their daughter, Nicole, and then took some time off work to raise her. Meanwhile, Bob did the choreography and won the Tony Award for the choreo of a musical called Little Me, which once again, only up against one other person, but that still doesn't make it a easy win. He was also nominated for Best Director, however, didn't win that either. In 1966, we have the musical Sweet Charity. This was directed and choreographed by Bob, also starring Gwen, who obviously played the title character, Sweet. Just kidding, that is a joke from when RuPaul said, Dear Evan Hansen, where he played the main character. Dear, but no, yeah. In this case, she actually played the main character called Charity. They were both nominated for Tonys. The whole show had a total of nine Tony nominations, but the only one to win was Bob for his choreography. There was also an incident in the show where um, Gwen, while she was in it, uh, feather from a boa went into her throat she accidentally swallowed it and it wrapped around her vocal cords so affecting her voice she required surgery and had to be like on vocal rest for like months didn't even know that could happen pretty scary there was a movie version of sweet charity which was getting made in 1969 they didn't have gwen reprise her role as charity they brought in shirley mclean but that did not bother gwen like it might have bothered her at the start but it was no hard feelings she was still helping out on the on the film set once again being an uncredited assistant choreographer pretty much bob was in charge of directing the movie so this was his first big movie to ever direct it ended up being a huge flop he went over budget heaps it cost 20 million dollars to make and the movie itself only made 8 million not a good look if you want to get into directing and that's your directorial debut stats. 
but it didn't sway him from wanting to direct again. He ended up getting the job to direct the movie version of Cabaret. Filming over in Germany, Gwen would stop by to help out because she was his muse. So he would be like, no, something's not right. Something's not right. She'll say something. And then he'll be like, oh my God, you're absolutely right, Gwen. We're meant to have Liza wear this. And now look, it's the most perfect movie ever. In the TV show, they show a scene where they're trying to find the perfect gorilla mask for a dance number. Listen to the cabaret episode if you want to know what the heck that's about. And so she decides to do a round trip to New York and back to Germany, just off the plane, on the plane, all like that. And she returns with the perfect gorilla mask. And as she returns to his hotel room, he's there sleeping with the translator on the set. So that is kind of true. But she didn't catch him with the translator on set. She already knew that he was banging the translator because she received an angry letter from the translator's husband saying, hey, do you know they're banging? She actually walked in on him with two German women and she was not happy. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. She knew about his cheating. She was kind of turning a blind eye, but she goes, that's it. I can't do it. And her and Bob end up separating. In 1972, the movie Cabaret ended up getting released and in the same year, Gwen decided to do a play, branching out. Normally she does her musicals dancing, but no, this is a serious role. play is called Children, Children and it was not a success, unfortunately. The opening night also ended up being its closing night. However, through this time working through the play, even though she's not romantic with Bob anymore, she still helps him out with the cabaret editing, everything that he needs. And he also provides advice back to her as well. In 1973, this was a huge year for Bob. He won an Oscar and Emmy and Tony, being one of the only people to win all three awards in one year, let alone just in the space of two months, because that's when the award ceremonies were. So the Oscar was for directing Cabaret. He ended up beating Francis Ford Coppola, who did The Godfather. He won the Emmy for directing and choreographing Liza with a Z. And then won the Tony Award for Best Direction Choreography of the musical Pippin. This same year, he met up-and-coming actress and dancer Anne Ranking, who he did date. And Gwen had also been dating people. They were both actors, not at the same time, Scott Brady and Jerry Lanning. So with Gwen and Bob, they continued to work with each other professionally, be each other's like shoulder to cry on. However... They were no longer romantically involved and never ended up getting divorced. Even though Bob had received the three highest awards you can get in your field, you got your film, your TV and stage, he still had a case of imposter syndrome where he thinks someone's going to come in and say, you don't deserve any of these and take all that away from him. So he was very depressed. He checked himself into a psych facility, but did leave after a weekend. So in the TV show, they show that he was admitted to a psych facility after a lot of suicidal tendencies that he was having. And they said that he was in there for like weeks on end and he was like on lithium. So he wasn't like able to talk or anything like that. Not completely true. He might have been on lithium, um, but he wasn't incapacitated as bad as he was in the TV show. The show makes a big point that because all this had happened to him, he has to stress less, work less, um, not do too much at once which is probably the case after having a pretty much like a mental breakdown. You should probably take it easy. But that didn't stop him. He agreed to do the movie Lenny based on the comedian Lenny Bruce uh, with Dustin Hoffman. And he had to do it because that was Dustin Hoffman's availability. He had no other time to do it. But 
it was also the same time that they were agreeing to do Chicago, him and Gwen. They'd been trying for years to get the rights to it. However, the writer of the play, Maureen Dallas Watkins, she had become a born-again Christian and refused to sell the rights because she believed the play glorified a sinful lifestyle, which, yeah, it did. But Watkins ended up passing away, so they ended up buying the rights from the estate. They had still had to try and get the right producers, get all the backing for it, and the time was then, right now, to finally get Chicago off the ground. During the post-production of Lenny and the pre-production of Chicago, due to stress and probably all the chain smoking, he never stopped, Bob suffered a heart attack and ended up having open-heart surgery. Chicago was put on hold and he was told to cap back on work, cigs, and all the recreational drugs he had been taking. In 1975, Chicago was finally on stage with Gwen playing Roxy and Cheetah Rivera alongside her as Val McCallie. Bob was nominated for an Oscar for his direction of Lenny. And this time, you wouldn't believe who he lost to. Francis Ford Coppola for The Godfather 2. Gwen was nominated for her role as Roxy, which was pretty good considering she was 50 years old playing an extremely demanding role. Bob's next Broadway show was Dancing, as in dancing, without the G. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about it the whole time. I thought they were saying dancing, as in Ted Danson from like Cheers and like The Good Place. And not that I thought that the show was about Ted Danson, but I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's a true story based on someone. I'm assuming there's going to be some dancing in it, but no, it's dancing. Gwen helped out with the show. Bob ended up being Tony nominated for directing and choreography. And in classic Bob style, one for choreography. In 1979, Bob was inducted into the American Theatre Hall of Fame. This same year, he also co-wrote and directed a semi-autobiographical film called All That Jazz, a movie where a man who is a choreographer uh, gets a bit overwhelmed and the stress causes him to have a heart attack and open heart surgery. So I wonder where he got the inspiration for that one. Uh, his ex-girlfriend now, Anne Ranking, had to audition multiple times to get the part that was literally based on her. So that's pretty rude of Bob. Jessica Lange played an angel in the movie, Angel of Death, character's name Angelique. And that was based on his ex-wife, Joan McCracken, who was just always there by his side, just giving the little comments that you don't really want to hear. He also made the main character, which is meant to be based on him and played by Roy Scheider, have a full set of hair because Bob himself had actually been balding since he was 17. This was part of his look when he would actually choreograph dances. So he would make people wear hats because he was self-conscious about his balding head. He also made people wear gloves because he was self-conscious about his hands. So the iconic look that we know is like a fussy look is due to what he has been insecure about. So that's pretty crazy. And in classic Gwen fashion, she was around, uncredited, of course, to help out with the movie. The movie was Oscar nominated and Bob was nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay. He ended up losing both. And who did he lose Best Director to? Robert Benton for Kramer vs. Kramer. But who else lost to Robert Benton that year? That's right. Francis Ford Coppola, that's right, he is back in the story again, but this time for the movie Apocalypse Now, and this time both him and Bob end up losing the award. I don't know if they had a rivalry, we'll have to see if Ryan Murphy does a feud series on them. And I know this isn't like a huge coincidence, but then Dustin Hoffman, who was in Lenny, uh, ended up winning for Kramer vs. Kramer that year as well, so probably not like 
the craziest thing because Dustin Hoffman was huge back then. But, you know, just a little connection. The movie itself was still very successful and along with Cabaret, both of them years down the track were deemed culturally, historically or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. So that's a pretty big deal if you just had one movie that was selected for that. But having two, that's quite an achievement. Gwen got her recognition in 1981 and was inducted into the American Theatre Hall of Fame. In 1983, it was the year of Bob's last movie that he would write and direct, called Star 80, a biographical movie based on Dorothy Stratton, who was a Playboy playmate that was murdered. In 1986, both Gwen and Bob worked on the Sweet Charity Revival. Gwen, who was producing the show and helping out with the choreography, Bob was there to direct and also do the choreo as well. The following year, the revival had an opening night in Washington, D.C., 1987. And while on the way to this opening night, Bob, who was 60 at the time, was with Gwen when he suffered from a heart attack and ended up dying in Gwen's arm just a block away from the theater. He left behind a huge legacy, just as big as Fred Astaire's, like he did want to, and there is now a Fosse-esque way of dancing. The hats and gloves I mentioned before, the knocked knees, crooked elbows, arched necks, and splayed hips were his signature moves, which also was inspired from Gwen because Gwen still had like the remnants of her rickets. He was able to work around a dancer to be able to do that. So some of his movements are due to the rickets, legs that Gwen still had he passed away still married to Gwen and in her arms it's a very sad and touching kind of story you know they always loved each other but just couldn't be together and still work together all the way up until his death Gwen continued to work in film and television she received Emmy nominations for guest roles in shows such as Magnum P.I. Dream On and Homicide Life on the Street she's I'm so sorry that that sounded like that (laughs) It was a very dark name for a TV show and I just made it upbeat. Uh, Hire me at advertising agencies. Uh, She also starred in the Woody Allen movie Alice, playing Alice's mum. In 1996, she starred in the movie Marvin's Room. This was also the same year there was a revival of Chicago on Broadway, the one that has been there and has not been taken off. With who's starring as Roxy? Uh, It's Anne Ranking, so Bob's ex-GF and... She was also good friends with Gwen as well. So that's like a nice full circle moment when she was also Bob's muse as well for a little while. In 1998, Gwen was awarded National Medal of Arts. And in 1999, she was the artistic consultant on the review show based on Fosse's work with Anne Ranking also choreographing it. And the show was called Fosse, A Celebration of Song and Dance. And the musical itself ended up winning best musical at the 2000 Tony Awards. On the 18th of October in 2000 at age 75, Gwen passed away in her sleep from a heart attack at her daughter's home in Woodstock, Vermont. Gwen made a name for herself within the industry and then went on uncredited to continue to be the woman behind the man who was Bob Fosse. She was a mental health care advocate who sat on the board of the directors of the New York Postgraduate Center for Mental Health and she had also actively raised funds to support mental health care research. She also rumor had it like cats, so she definitely had a good taste. The show itself, Fosse Verdant, was produced by their daughter, Nicole, who she tried to dance for a bit in the business and then ended up wanting a normal life and had a family with a husband, Andreas Grenier, 
who was a stagehand. They had three sons together and Andreas was also killed in the year 2000 by a drunk driver. Trauma bonding with her mum and that's when Gwen decided to move in with her at Woodstock and then Gwen ended up passing away eight weeks later. So pretty hectic year, losing her husband, losing her mum and then having to become a single mum. Now, I know you're probably wondering what happened to Gwen's first kid, Jim Hannigan Jr.? So he was raised by the grandmother, but that didn't mean that Gwen was completely out of his life. He would still like go and stay with Gwen. New Bob would still have communication with his mother. It just wasn't normal. It was normal for him, but probably not the most conventional way to raise a child. Uh, All I could see about him, which are articles from 2019, because that's when the show came out. So people would have been talking to him. He's in his 70s. After doing a few acting gigs in the 60s, he decided to get rid of that showbiz life and he was a plumbing contractor and a restaurant owner. He is now retired and was donating his time by cooking at the California-based Mission. And that's the timeline story of Gwen Verdon and Bob Fosse. If you want to watch the show in Australia, it is on in binge. And if you want to watch the movie, all that jazz, that is on iview. So that's if anyone's interested. The show itself was originally only going to be about Bob. But the more they did research, the more like, hey, every time we're trying to look at something Bob does, Gwen's popping up. Then that's when the show decided to combine the two of them. And as you can tell from listening to this whole episode, yeah, she made a huge impact on everything that Bob did. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I definitely had fun watching the show and saying it's research and then also doing the research itself. So subscribe for episodes out on Tuesdays. Follow Drink Show Pod, Insta and Twitter. Check out the playlist on the link tree on the Insta and the Twitter or in the episode description of this show. And you can also rate and review and you can also stick around, subscribe. See you next Tuesday. Bye.